This podcast contains mature themes, violence, and a whole lot of cursing from a couple of knuckleheads. This is most definitely not intended for a young audience or anyone easily offended by violence or foul language. You've been warned to the rest of you. Buckle in. Let's have a good time. Woo! In a parallel 1940s, supernatural terrors do exist, and a lone private investigator named Jack Shepard takes cases that lead to dark ends. This is Mysteries and Madness, an actual play podcast of a two-player detective role-playing game turned into a radio drama. I'm Dave Colmine, the director of our game. I know who's done it, and I portray the locations and characters in our story. And I'm Todd Sullivan. I play Jack Shepard, private detective who used to be a reporter who is hungover most of the days and drunk most evenings, struggling to uncover the truths behind the shadowy goings-on of uh, 1940s L.A. This is Mysteries and Madness, the case files of Jack Shepard, Case 2, The Nurse and the Explosives, Chapter 5. Jack, it is Sunday, October 13th, 1945. And you are forced awake by the ringing of a phone. Okay, what time is it? Because I was I was actually planning to get up early this day because I, I wanted to get a jump start on the case because um, I'm not I'm not feeling like I'm close to <laughs> solving it. So what time did you wake up this morning? Uh, I would have been I would have woken up at nine, which is early for Jack. You look at your watch and it's 8.15 in the morning. And that's where the phone's ringing? And the phone is ringing. Okay. I'll uh, rub the sleep out of my eyes, uh, get up and answer the phone. Well, Jack, for the third day in the row, you wake numb and ignorant. <laughs> Interesting. I actually, after that, that last third roll of four, I actually went and looked up what statistically is the most common number to roll on two sets of six dice. Be seven. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. Thank you, Settlers of Catan. Oh, okay. Um, I think four is like of a cluster of second place. Oh, is it? Most okay. second, most likely. And there's like two or three of them. But uh, it got me wondering because it's like three in a row. I wonder if four is somehow the most common number, but it's not. Okay. So you wake once again, numb and ignorant. And as you step out of bed towards the phone, you have your first challenge of the game. This is an athletics challenge with an advance of seven called Foggy Beer Goggles. Okay. Okay, so I've got a minus one on my athletics, and it's a seven? Yeah, advance of seven for athletics. You have two dice. I do. All right, so the first die is a three. Second die is a five. Minus one is seven. (laughs) That's eight. Minus one is seven? Yep. Uh, All right. Uh, you reach the advance of seven plus. You lumber towards your office door and the ringing phone that rudely interrupted your sleep. You stumble into a pile of clothes on the floor, stepping down awkwardly, and notice your ankle feels completely improved. You are no longer injured and get to get rid of your uh, problem too, injured. Excellent. Yay, so there you go. Keep that though, because I imagine my ankle's gonna come up again. That's <laughs> like the one consistent injury I'm gonna have. Yeah, that's right. Your ankles are just never the same, <laughs> just huh? never the same. So you stumble forward through your office door and the increasingly loud ringing of your telephone. Still fresh in your mind is the bleeding symbol 
carved into the forearm in your dream. You find a pen and pad and scrawl the symbol quickly while you reach and grab the phone ringing loudly in your skull. Hello. <clears throat> uh, yes, hello. Uh, Jack Shepard. It's Margaret. Uh, hi, Margaret. Good morning. Uh, good morning. How are you? Well, I'm hoping you're going to let me know that things are okay. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm calling to find out how the case is going. Right. Of course you would be doing that. Uh, things are okay. I'm hoping you can be a little more specific, Jack. Yeah, okay. My, uh, finger, my fingers are crossed. Yeah, I've got, I've got some very strong leads. Have you seen or heard anything about Thomas? This uh, Thomas Thengen, the missing man from the dy- with the dynamite? Yeah. Uh, I have connected him to uh, Ella Hearst. They, really? they uh, seem to be in, in doing something together. Well, let me say, let me say that it, it's looking like it could be connected to what happened to your sister, in fact. Really? My goodness. So you're saying Thomas and Ella are somehow connected? Is that what you just said? I think they're trying to, yes, I think they're working towards a goal. I suspect... Part of that goal is attempting to damage uh, the Hyperion Water Treatment Facility. I'm not sure to what end. I do think that's perhaps what the explosives were stolen for. But I'm still trying to figure out why, uh, as well as where they might be. Because obviously I want to find them and, 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 and try to put a stop to this. Have you spoken with Hyperion? I have. And please, Jack, tell me the police aren't involved. The police are not involved at this point in time. They have, uh, they have increased their internal security um, at the facility in case uh, someone tries to uh, bring in a bomb. Thank you, Jack. You know, discretion is... Absolutely. That's been my, my, my primary focus through this. So you have evidence that Thomas and Ella are, are alive? Uh, Ella especially? I have witnesses who have seen people that match their descriptions. Oh, that is just great news. I actually just got off the phone with Ella's mother, Marion. She's now filed a missing persons report. Poor family. They've been through so much already. Ella had an older sister who also disappeared. Ethel. Bad luck, they say. A lot of years ago now, bus broke down before reaching her after her shift, and she had to walk home. They found her jacket and one of her shoes in an alley near Almeida Street. Same area that's been in the news lately. That was years ago now. She was a bit older than Ella. And Ella's still alive. I'm just so glad to hear that. I tell you, with everything I hear about Almeida Street, if I have my way, I'll clean up that area next. As long as I still have a job to go to. With Marion involving the police in Ella's disappearance, and now this being somehow connected to Thomas, I await with bated breath... Yeah, do the you, results of this case. Do you happen to have a number where I can reach Marion? Yes, I do. Uh, of course, I can give you that. I'd like to ask her uh, just a bit more information about Ethel. And she provides you with a phone number. Okay. For Marion Hearse. Okay. There is no way I'm sleeping tonight, Jack. I will be up all night. Call me the moment you find some resolution, and I wish you good luck. Thanks. I will be in touch as soon as I know anything. Thank you. Okay, let me have a coffee, and I'm going to call Marion. Yes, hello, Marion speaking. 
Hi, Marianne. My name is Jack Shepard. Uh, I'm a private investigator mm. who has been hired to uh, look into Yes, Jack, actually, I offered about disappearance. you. Yes. Thank you. Margaret and I were speaking this morning. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your daughter, Ethel, who I just heard also disappeared some time ago. Oh. I'm sure it's, it's a difficult subject, um, but just because of the, the connection in, uh, there's certain overlaps between the cases that I'm seeing, I, I wonder whether or not there might be some connection. Do you have any word on my sweet Ella? Ella? Um, I, I, I can't speak for sure of her condition right now. I do have eyewitness testimony from people who have seen uh, people who, or, or someone who has matched her description. Recently? Uh, within the last few days, yes. Oh, thank God. Oh, that, that's so great to hear. Thank you so much. Uh, Ethel, beautiful girl, looked a lot like her sister Ella. Older, older by eight years, actually. Beautiful girl. Ethel was house help to some really nice people. Uh, unfortunately, I'm told the bus she took to get home from work broke down before getting to her that night. And Ethel was forced to walk home. Days passed and friends and neighbors scoured the route she would have taken. And we found her jacket and one of her shoes in a back alley just south of Almeida Street. Do you recall what what business or what sort of a building would have been on the other side of that alley, on the on the, the, the street facing side of that alley? Well, I know the exact spot. Might have been a little store for a while. I don't think there's anything there right now, but I I know exactly where that was. Do you know the address? I can give you a close address and directions that'll get you right to that spot, Jack. I'd, I'd appreciate that. And she gives you directions to a very specific spot in a back alley in Almeida Street. You, from her directions, know it to be just a few blocks away from where you parked your car the other night. Like, seemingly, yeah, within yeah, right a few there. blocks of exactly where you were okay. last night. Are you going to find my daughter, Jack? I'm going to do my best. It's all any of us can do and all that can be asked. God bless you, Jack, and good luck. Thanks for your time. Uh, okay, uh, before I leave the house, I got one more phone call I want to make. All right. I'm going to call one of my uh, one of my expert friends. Oh, is that so? It's so. Who are you calling? Uh, I can't remember his name. The one guy I've like called once before, he's the university professor. He knows all about like cults and stuff. Kellum. Alfred Kellum. Alfred here. Alfred, it's Jack Shepard. Good morning. Jack! Jack! Oh, it's just great to hear from you, friend. Oh, it's good to hear from you too. Oh, I can help you today. Uh, I have a question. Hey, are you going to come for that lunch one of these days or what? One of these days. Maybe once I finally like tie up this case that I'm in the middle of. Oh, you're in a case, are you? I am. And, hey, how'd that uh, last one go for you? Was that any help? Yes. You were a big help. Oh, thank you. I don't you. remember if he helped at all. <laughs> Fantastic, Jack. Glad to be here to help. Um, so I've, I've come across a symbol in my investigation. I want to know if, if it rings a bell to you. And so I want to describe the symbol from my dreams that was carved in my arm. 
And in that moment, you remember that you scrawled it down the yep. moment you started making phone calls and kind of just forgot that you'd done it. It's just, it's been such a crazy morning. And so I hand uh, Todd Sullivan a notepad sized piece of paper with local store letterhead at the top and Jack Shepard's drawing scrawled on it. I will post a picture of the notepad and its drawing on the Coal Mine Clubhouse Twitter and Patreon page when the episode releases if you're curious to see what Jack Shepard's looking at. Oh, okay. That's a little bit different than what I was picturing when you described it, but okay. I get it. Oh, and I like that. That's the that's the bookstore downstairs, too. Yeah. Marjorie's Bookstore. That's nice. Who's Marjorie? Is that one of the... Marjorie's the owner of the bookstore. But isn't, is not it, is it also a Patreon person, maybe? No. Okay, just wondering. Marjorie was named before we had Patreon okay. subscribers. Uh, so then I guess, I mean, now that I see it, it looks like it's a monster, but I'm going to describe this to him anyway and see if he recognizes something that I don't know. But to me, yeah, it just looks like eyes and teeth. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I think you should describe it to him for the listener's sake as well. Let's oh. describe what's in your hand right there. I have a notepad in my hand from Marjorie's books and more, and on it I've scribbled my memory of the uh, carving on my arm. Um, so at the top, there are two horizontal lines next to each other, left and right. Uh, and below those lines are five vertical lines getting slightly longer towards the middle and then becoming shorter again uh, further to the right. Do you understand that description? Two horizontal lines, five vertical lines underneath, longest lines in the center. Yes. I mean, to me, it looks like a face, but I wondered whether or not it might have been connected to any historical religions or anything of that sort. Nothing comes to mind. I mean, my mind races with everything from constellations to cave paintings. I would definitely have to see something like that, Jack, and then potentially take some time with it to have a greater understanding. Okay, I'll swing by your office uh, as quick as I can and drop my little drawing off with you. Okay, sounds good, Jack. Thank you. The phone rings. Hello, this is Jack Shepard. Oh, yes, hello, Jack. This is Sean Buck calling, uh, Chief of Operations at Hyperion. Hi, Sean. How are you? Well, I'm great. Uh, The extra security worked. Thanks so much, Jack. I just wanted to fill you in on what's happened here. Yes, please do. Thank you for the heads up. A man was caught arming explosives early this morning. He ran and fled in a dark-colored truck. We couldn't see what the color was, uh, but it looked like an old international. Were the explosives left behind? Yes, he ran away panicked. The explosives were left behind. Looked like an arming device and some TNT. Thankfully, he didn't get to use it. Uh, Turns out he used the man door entrance near the far east corner. It's a a door of thick iron bars uh, with a built-in lock. And then we chained and padlocked it because of the security risk he brought up with us. Still, the door was intact and the chain and padlock were just hanging there. Do you know what's really odd is the guard thinks he recognized the guy and his truck. Uh, Some guy who took a tour here this past Wednesday signed in as Tom Boom. Tom Boom. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now that I see the TNT, you put Uh, things together. (laughs) One more thing. The guard swears he heard a goat coming from the truck as the truck drove off. Of course he did. 
Anyway, thankfully, no explosion. Uh, of course, we let the police know what's going on over here. Uh, so you may expect a call from them at some point. Jack, uh, your name was mentioned. But we just can't thank you enough yeah, for Yeah, now that help. you mentioned police, what is the status of the explosives? Because I would really love to be able to get those back to the original owner. Yeah, uh, no, those were taken uh, by the police as evidence. Of course they were. Anyway, I just wanted to thank you so much, Jack, for bringing this to our attention. I think we avoided a real catastrophe through your uh, your detective work. Thank, thank you. you. I'm, I'm glad to have been able to help. Um, throw my coat, throw my hat. And head on out the door. Finish up my coffee. Get out the door. Let's solve this fucking case. Okay, so you leave your office. Yep. And I head to UCLA. All right, you hop in your vehicle and drive to UCLA. Can you give me a sense trouble check with an advance of 12? Uh, motherfuck, okay. What's your sense trouble rating? I have two dice. And you get a minus one to yeah, so all I, challenge I, results. I cannot hit 12 without taking on an obstacle or whatever. You can take on a problem. You can also add a die through a push or a problem. Is this a push? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I may do that. We'll see. All right. Uh, so, so, okay, this is sense trouble. So this isn't violent, so I don't need the bloody dice. Okay. This is a uh, this is a sense trouble quick test. Quick test. With an advance of 12. Passive 12. Three. One. Making four. <laughs> Making four. No, I'm going to fail. No matter what, like another die won't get another you die won't get me there. I mean, no. I, my concern though is like I've got three of these things, and I I don't know if I can spend all of them at once. Like, can I just keep adding dice to this? But even then, do I want to burn through? Because like six, I'll let you, sure. six isn't going to get me there. No. And even if I get six, I'm still going to need what? That'd be uh, two more. Ten, two more. Like the odds of me getting this in two more dice are pretty slim. I think. That's eight. You need eight more in two dice. Yeah. So I think I'm just gonna let her let her let her fail. No sweat, no sweat. Uh, you arrive at UCLA. Uh, you are parking guest parking, which you knew where it was because you've been here before. For sure. And easily find Alfred Calham's classroom, where he's at the front of the auditorium, seemingly prepping. There's no students in the Coliseum, in the room, in the okay. auditorium. Uh, I'll uh, I'll approach him. He looks up from what he's doing. Hey, Jack! Jack, yes, I'm a bitch. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. He uh, clasps your hand in a nice, uh, firm handshake. Alfred, this is what I saw. Hmm, interesting. Can I leave that with you and, and get back to you later in the day? Yeah, I'd need to check some books. I have a couple of texts that come to mind for something this, I don't know, seemingly primal. Yeah. It's uh, pretty crude, whatever it is. When would be a good time to reach out again? I'm about to have a class, but then I'm free after that. I'll take my lunch in the library. Get back to me in the early afternoon. I'll be sitting at my desk reading some books by then. All right, will do. Thank you. What's this about, Jack? Oh, it's it's about a case I'm working on. Um, it's come. Up, I figured so. It's come up in the midst of the investigation. I don't know what it means. Um, and I'm hoping uncovering what it means will give me an investigative lead to pursue. It, on first glance, looks occult. Whatever it is, this is odd and ancient. Yeah. The kind of thing not usually taken seriously. So whatever you're doing, Jack, uh, 
Keep your eyes open. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All right. Okay, now what? I'm heading to Almeida Street. Okay, you hop back in your car and drive to Almeida Street. Give me a sense trouble quick test. I'm being tailed. With an advance of 11. Okay, let's whittle this down. One I'm going to try the bloody dice, see if they work better this time. We have a four. Not bad. That's an improvement. And a two. Maybe <laughs> six. All right. Uh, I'm going to spend one of these. You spend a push. Yeah, you pass it. it. Oh yeah, that's right. Bag. No, it's out of your possession. All right, come on. Adding five or one six. die. Yeah. Spent a push, and you have two left. Fucking fuck. <laughs> what did you get? I got a two. <laughs> so sorry. What did we have? A, eleven, and I have eight. No, yeah, I have eight. eight. You need eleven. Yeah. You had six plus two. To get eight, yes. To make eight, still a fail. One more. We're spending pushes left and right here over who knows what. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm saving one, though. I'm saving one in case shit gets real at the end of this. <laughs> this is just the Simpsons hot dog vendor. It's just like, yeah, putting my kids through college. One. My fucking God. I quit. I'm going home. <laughs> I laugh when no. I'm awkward because, like, <laughs> really bad for you right now. <laughs> Still have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to Almeida Street? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pull back into Almeida Street. Uh, it's quieter here during the daytime as we reach noon. Yeah, and I'm looking for, I think his name was Axel, the cop. Yeah, so you cruise the same area, yeah, yeah. same street. I want to park as near as I can to what would be sort of the, the, the building that was connected to the alley or whatever it was. Oh, that's right. You yeah. have the directions from Mirian to a very specific spot yeah. just uh, south of Almeida Street So that's where well. I want to park. And then also from there, I don't want to go to the building at first. I want to find um, Axel first. And you want to look for Axel first. Yeah. No sweat. You pull off near this location, walk to the end of the block, turn the corner and see a police officer uh, leaning against a signpost, chatting to two, I mean, what look like prostitutes to you, um, but definitely doesn't look like anyone's getting in trouble. Looks yep. like they're all friendly with each other. Uh, well, I'll approach him and uh, introduce myself. And that's why one in the hands were two in the bush. Ain't that right, ladies? <laughs> oh, hey, can I help you? Hey, uh, are you Axel? Yeah, I'm Axel. You're looking at a broad-chested, square-jawed man with a black mustache, seemingly always wearing his mirrored aviators. When he looks off to the side, the crow's feet hint at the fact that he's always squinting, scanning for perps. He has a crisp, very deep blue uniform, polished boots, always looking off into the distance. Rarely does he make eye contact. Who are you? My name is Jack Shepard. Uh, I'm a private investigator, and I was hoping I could uh, talk to you for a few minutes privately. Oh, you were talking to Trixie last night. I was. I was. She gave me your name. She told me about you. Sure, no problem. Let's walk this way. Later, ladies. What can I help you with, Jack? Uh, did Trixie tell you at all what I was talking to her about? Yeah, something to do with the Johns, and you might know the new girl. Is that right? Uh, the description matches uh, a woman that has been missing that I've been tasked to find, yes. It's an interesting case, the missing Johns. 
he says, looking over your shoulder. And the new girl, too. Trixie's seen her. I haven't seen her. But you know, crime never sleeps. So it's nothing unusual. Uh, what can you tell me about the disappearances? Yeah, mysterious stuff going on lately with these missing Johns. My gut tells me they're murders, but no bodies have shown up yet. I also think they're all related. Mm -hmm. Reason I think so is car swapping. First it was John Harmon. And then his car showed up down here and Ed Greer goes missing. Then Ed Greer's car shows up down here and John Buckley goes missing. If I was a guessing man, whoever's driving around in John Buckley's car is responsible for three murders. I hope I'm wrong, but when you're chopping down crime, all that's left is truth and justice. So at this point, uh, John Buckley's car has not been recovered. Is that correct? Yeah, at this point, John Buckley's truck's not been found yet. Won't surprise me if the moment we find that truck, there's another missing person. I do all I can to try to keep these ladies safe, you know. It's a hard job out here. Women like Trixie, they work their ass off. I'm not here to persecute them. I'm just trying to keep these streets safe. Have you seen anything odd along these streets during the last 10 to 15 days while these disappearances were going on? Nothing any different than any other day. I guess other than the cars showing up, but there is a pit of my gut feeling. Maybe it's just the Halloween's around the corner, but something feels different this year. Was there anything uh, similar about the two vehicles showing up along Almeida Street again? Did they show up in the same location? Did they show up near the same location? Well, this is a pretty small area. They both showed up just a couple blocks from each other. It does bring up the condition of the cars. Hmm. Both were really dusty. Okay. Whoever they've been, they've been off the paved road considering how limited the time was that they'd been missing. Okay. Real dusty, inside and out. Red-brown dust on the floor mats. All right. Thanks for that. I will let you get back to your day, officer. Thank you for your help. No sweat. It was Jack Shepard? Yeah. I'm going to pass him a card. All right. Private investigator. You know, in a perfect world, we'd work hand-in-hand. Hand. I like that. Taking a bite out of crime together. Jump! Yeah. Jump, jump. All right, let's see if I can peek into the closed-up building near where Ethel disappeared. You check out the back alley that you were instructed to go to by Marion, where Ethel went missing, what you were told was many years ago. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just a soiled back alley like any other, and a boarded-up building like the ones around it. Nothing significant with the crime being committed here so long ago, it'd be hard to expect to find anything. Sometimes leads go nowhere, right? Yeah, exactly. It's now getting to be mid-afternoon. Time for you to find a phone and reach out to Alfred Kellum. Okay. I will find a payphone, then. Hello, Alfred Kellum. Alfred, it's Jack Shepard Kellum. What were you able to dig up for me? Anything? Jack, that's a weird symbol. Very little reference to it. No reference in modern popular religion. But did you find a reference? But I did find some texts that contain a seemingly similar marking. These symbols seem to show up in the medieval era. There was a brief time where a cult seemed to form where this was one of the symbols used. They supposedly worshipped ancient stones with references about these things called great old ones. 
this particular symbol seems to reference a specific great old one by the name of Shub Nagurath. I'm not really sure how to say that. It's S H U B dash N I G G U R A T H. Shub Nagurath. I'm not entirely certain what these great old ones are. It's very much seems like ancient heretic fairy tales. There, there is a reference to them being somehow connected to something greater than them as well. There seem to be levels to these ancient gods and from what I can tell, they are not pleasant. They are evil forces. Whatever this is, it's considered negative. Did you come across um, any information about ceremonies, either in connection to this Shabnigrath or uh, with the symbol? Very little reference to anything. We're talking, I get a paragraph in a 600-page book. From what I could find in this afternoon, a lot of references to sacrifice, full moons, storms. There seems to always be a theme of rebirth of an evil entity or opening of gates somehow shepherding dark energies or evils into the human realm and world. And this particular symbol referring to Shab Nagareth being some sort of otherworldly entity, there's references to tentacles and not much more and a darkness. If any of that makes any sense to you. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how much it does, but I appreciate you taking the time to look into this. Hey, no sweat, Jack. Now you owe me lunch. That sounds fair. I'll, uh, I'll give you a call next week if my calendar opens up. Fantastic stuff. I'll keep looking into this. I'll try it tomorrow if I find anything of use. Okay, uh, on the way back to my car... I would like to pick up a newspaper. All right. You go to a newsstand, buy a paper, yep. sit in your car, give it a quick perusal. Give it a quick perusal, yep. All right, you pick up a paper for Sunday, October 13th, 1945. Milton S. Hershey, the American chocolate tycoon and owner of the Hershey Chocolate Company, dies at 86 years old, although his chocolate will live on in perpetuity. Um, this was quite interesting. Uh, wouldn't have been in the paper, but just quite interesting. Ten days ago, on October 3rd, at the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show in Tupelo, Mississippi, a 10-year-old Elvis Presley Ooh. stood on a chair at a microphone and sang Old Ship and took fifth place at the talent fifth show. Fifth place? That's pretty good for a young guy. Yeah, 10-year-old Elvis Presley. Yeah, nice. Uh, also, on October 8th, uh, United States President Harry Truman shared the secrets of the atomic bomb with Britain and Canada. And in Major League... The secret League, is that it makes things blow up real good. Yeah, that's the secret. That's the secret. And something to do with split peas. <laughs> split pea soup. Yeah, something to do with split pea soup. In Major League Baseball on Friday, the Detroit Tigers beat the Chicago Cubs four games to three in the 42nd World Series. Oh, I had money on them. Oh. The crazy part, at game four, tavern owner Billy Goat Cianis, he buys a seat for his goat for game four of the World Series, brings the goat 
His pet goat, this is a quote, his pet goat named Murphy was bothering other fans and is escorted out saying, them cubs, they ain't gonna win no more and casts what's considered the goat curse on the Chicago Cubs, <laughs> which lasts 71 years what? until 2016 when the Cubs win the pennant again and the World Series. Wow. This is real. Did they have to like execute a goat? <laughs> Did they sacrifice a goat to break the goat curse or what? I don't know, right? Man. It, it outlasted the owner at the time yeah. uh, and everything. But there used to be a documentary on this goat curse. That's a ridiculous thing that happened yeah. in real life. Um, meanwhile, also in Chicago, uh, the NFL team, the Cardinals, the Chicago Cardinals, is on a 28-game losing streak. <laughs> which, uh, spoiler alert, gets broken today in history uh, when they beat the Chicago Bears. Wow. So finally they're going to break their streak tonight. Uh, get your bets in now. Also, today is the full moon uh, with partly cloudy skies and unusually warm high of 97 degrees Fahrenheit or about 36 degrees Celsius. And that's it. Nothing pertaining to anything no, that makes but sense. You still spent two hours on it, so I had to hear all those. And this, the goat curse is interesting. I'm glad <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> that took multiple articles to put that together. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I did research to create that. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Was it me. just like you heard about the goat curse? And you're like, yeah, oh, I, I got to go down this I rabbit had, hole. Yeah, I had to like follow some <laughs> hyperlinks and figure out what the fuck this is about. Find out the name of the guy. Turns out there's a quote, the quote of him being like, you bums ain't never going to win again. <laughs> That's how it created the I goat. I hope the goat at least got a hot dog before being kicked out, right? <laughs> she got to have a hot dog His pet goat game. Murphy was bothering other fans. <laughs> he fucking bought him a seat, put him in the game, and then his goat was I being mean, a bother. He paid for that seat. Like, he deserves to sit there for the whole game. Uh, that's some funny ass <laughs> shit. Like, I would have been like high fiving that goat. I don't care how bothersome that right? goat is. Totally. I am. Promoting me and the goat being in the same <laughs> fucking baseball game. Now, now I want to see like someone do that. What is it? The Cubs? Nowadays, that won't happen. You can't bring a goat in. No, I think they would stop you in 1945. We need, we need a 1921 goat curse on yeah, another sports team. No, but in, in 1945, you could buy the goat a ticket, get the goat through the gate, get the goat to his chair, sitting in his chair. And then Come on, the, is someone going to think the goat is a terrorist? And then, the, and then the goat has to be a bother before security's like, all right, well, everyone gets a seat, but when you become an asshole, I don't care if you're a man or a goat, you're getting exactly. kicked out. <laughs> Fuck, hello. Goat had too many cores yeah, or something. Yeah, that's right, exactly. The goat became unruly. So there you go. Right. So that's the newspaper you just read. Sitting in your car, what next, Jack uh, It's time for drive. We're going to go out into the desert to roughly where I suspect the above-ground location is of what I found underground yesterday. All right. Uh, so you head out towards San Bernardino and the northern end of that uh, valley, and you do a sense trouble quick test. 10? With an advance <laughs> of 10. <laughs> I'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> Although I wish I hadn't spent that token last time, because I'm not fucking spending this last one on this sense trouble. Just not. Going back to the black dice, because the bloody dice gave me no fucking good news last time. Starting with a 2. <laughs> and a 2 for a 4. Yeah, man. Life's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this does fit within the numb ignorance, right? Yeah, you are numb and ignorant. 
Yeah, when I guess technically, yeah, I have a minus, so I actually got three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I'm numb. Yeah. And ignorant. Well, I mean, I'm I'm living up to that. I think. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm doing some good role playing, even through my dice. <laughs> That's right. What do you what do you call it? I'm very method. I'm <laughs> very method. <laughs> You take the long drive to the north end of San Bernardino Valley. You choose to pass by the rubble and wreckage and remains of Roy's garage, if only as a final send-off, as you believe you're about to find whatever it is that needs to be found. As you drive by Roy's garage, you are distracted by the power still contained within that pit. It's dark maw seemingly drawing the eye unnaturally. You continue out into the desert, out past any indication of civilization, and turn off heading northeast into the hills. As you continue to drive out this valley, you notice that the skies are darkening and that heavy dark clouds are rolling in from the northeast. You roll down your window as you slowly bounce down this half trail, half secondary road. And the air has become thick with the smell of approaching rain and the prickle of eminent lightning. A storm is coming. The sun has now fallen behind the distant hills and an orange dusk slowly turns to gray. Evening has arrived. You continue driving down these bumpy little side roads, reaching a Y from time to time and continuing in the direction that you feel would lead back into the hills instead of out of them. The dim light of early evening transcends into the gray dim of night. But still, it's easy to see. A bright moon acts like floodlights, casting tight beams between the brooding storm clouds above. But no rain yet, just the threat. The feeling in the pit of your stomach grows. You round a bend and are struck by the immense scale of the rock outcropping in front of you. A shelf of clay-brown stone sticks far out and up and on the underside the shelf recedes towards the ground where a cave opening can be seen like the open maw of a massive ancient stone beast with a large plated horn striking up into the sky a dark and angry sky a single spark of lightning connects within a cloud making no noise you immediately become aware that you're touching your left forearm where you feel a pain, like the sting after a burn. For one blink, you're back in last night's dream, painfully smearing away the blood on your forearm and seeing a symbol. You blink your eyes again and are back in the present moment, but still seeing the symbol on your vision, like the effect after staring at a bright light. The same symbol you drew this morning on the pad of paper, the same symbol you gave to Alfred Callum. And you must take a cool, quick test with a pass of nine plus. Well, at least I get a plus one die to this, but I only have a cool of one. Come on, I'm cooler than that. Three. Eight. So you fail that quick test and become rattled, gaining minus one to stability challenges for the rest of the day. Okay. And I have a problem here for you. Rattled. 
Shit's fucking weird, man. <laughs> Problem eight rattled. Minus one to the falling roll. Stability. Shit's fucking weird, man. <laughs> that says you. It's true. Uh, what, what, what more needs to be said? <laughs> You're rattled. Uh, park a safe distance away. I don't know if you want me to roll to see if my gun is with me. You can tell me at this point. It's with me. I'm pretty sure it was last I had it. I put it in the glove compartment anyway. For sure. Let's establish right now. So you've parked your car far enough away that you hope they haven't heard you approach. Yeah. Then what items are you taking from your car? Let's do some preparedness sure. checks. Let's tell me what you would have, and let's let's let me know what. Well, you're I want to bring my gun. I want to bring that a flashlight. You have. That you have. Um, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to bring. I'm, I'm, I was thinking about a camera, but I think that would just get in the way. So with gun, sort of tucked in my my the, the back of my pants, flashlight in my hand. As you approach on foot. You look to your left down an embankment to a small gully uh, encircled by sagebrush, and there you find two vehicles. A C1 International pickup truck, described to be the vehicle owned by Thomas Thengen, and a dark blue Ford half-ton pickup that matches the description of the truck belonging to missing person John Buckley from yesterday's paper. You remember reading he'd been missing since Wednesday and was known to frequent Almeida Street. So yeah, uh, I want to check out the vehicles. I want to like approach carefully, check out the beds of the trucks, and also uh, peek in the windows, see if I can see anything at all. So you check these two trucks. Uh, the blue one is less dusty than the other. It looks is there like a goat in one of them? It looks like it's traveled less than the other. In the back of the red pickup truck, you do see uh, droppings, animal droppings in the back of the red truck. Okay. Uh, the red truck is very dusty and dirty as well. That's it. All right, I want to slowly approach the cave. You move under the stone overhang and begin approaching the cave. You can see the flicker of firelight dancing and illuminating the inside of the cave. The odd sound of the fire popping and crackling reaches you as you slowly make your way towards the cave entrance. Stealth is a fucking stat, man. You bet it is. Stealth is a stat. If there was ever a time to use it, this is it. This is it. I think this is bloody dice time. Give me a stealth challenge. You have two dice for stealth? I do. Give me a stealth challenge with an advance of six. I think I can do that. We start with one. Oh! Which means with my minus one, I've got to hit a six on this roll. <laughs> what was it? What was it, Todd? It's another one. Oh, my goodness. Okay, with a two, you approach this cave opening. <laughs> Trip and uh, land in the fire, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You're, you are not being stealthy as no. you approach this cave opening. The cave is the size of a two-car garage, but twice as deep. Okay. There's a fire pit closer to the front, and then behind that, a few large stones, and you can see the brass frame of a bed in behind that as well. Okay. There's two large waist-high boulders that seem to be serving as shelving or table space for some canned goods and dishware. And as you reach the front of the cave, you hear some shuffling and movement 
and three ghouls slink from the shadows, causing a stability challenge with an advance of 12 called Face the Nightmare. Okay. So for stability, you have an additional die. You get to roll a third die, making it three dice yep. total, yep. because you're numb and ignorant. I am numb and ignorant. Meanwhile, you're rattled, so you get a minus one to the total. Yeah, okay, fair, yeah. Uh, due to being rattled, <laughs> and that's affecting your stability. Okay, here we go. First die. Is a three. What are we going for, six? And a three. Is this a quick check or a... <laughs> It's a stability challenge of 12 plus. Oh, it's 12. <laughs> and you have six on two dice. Yeah, and then there's a minus one as well. Fuck. <laughs> Why am I even rolling this? Four. I have 10. 10 total. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 10 is a hold. You are okay. Okay. All right. What now? There's three ghouls at the front of this cave. Fuck. Um. Uh, I'm gonna shoot him. <laughs> You're gonna shoot these things? Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't think you have to roll. Nothing. You don't have to roll. You can just use your gun. Yep. Okay, Jack Shepard. You pull out your gun. What do you intend to do here? What are you trying to do? I want to shoot each of these fucking things between the eyes. So, okay, hang on. These are the same things that I encountered before, right? Correct. These are the same ghouls you have experience with from the pit, from Roy's garage. You know them. Oh, you know what? Hang on. You've known them to never actually lash out and kill. Yeah. But to be menacing. Yeah. And let me, let me, threatening. I want to fire a couple of warning shots in the air and see if they, if they run. Okay. Uh, you crack off two shots uh, into the shelf above you. You can hear them. they are loud as fuck. This is so loud under all this stone with this two garage deep echo chamber here that you're at the mouth of. Um, you hear the ricocheting of the bullets off the stone above you. And the moment you touch and pull the trigger on that gun and make that noise, these things dart like a cat in trouble towards the back of the cave and you see them hunch and disappear at the back of the cave as you slowly regain your hearing from this loud, loud noise that you just created. And then you hear the bray of a scared goat further <laughs> in the cave. Okay. Fuck, I guess let's turn on my flashlight and push further into the cave and see what I can see. You flick on your flashlight and take a few steps. The flashlight's almost not needed with the amount of light okay, coming okay, from the fire. Okay. And you notice movement in the cave. Does it seem like human movement or goat movement? Both. Mm-hmm. Thomas Thengen, are you here? You hear a rustling. Your eyes are drawn to a movement and a beanpole thin tanned man seemingly pops up from deeper in the cave, looking in your direction. You ain't should be here. And the goat brays louder. Go down here, Thomas. You ain't should be here. You're just part of the shit, part of the problem. What's the problem, Thomas? Let's let's work this out. It's all shit. Everyone's shit. The world is shit. This is 
all that'll fix it. What is it that'll fix it? Coming of a new age, a new ruler. Someone who understands, who can guide us all towards a, a greater peace. Something other than this shit. Don't think this being is going to make things less shit, Thomas. If anything, it's gonna get a lot worse. I, 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 under, I understand your words and I, I just can't... It's like a million fragments of dark maggots eating in my mind. Thomas, you picked up a stone at the work site. And you watch him immediately glance over to the back corner of the cave where there are two wood crates stacked one on top of each other. And on top of that is a stone about the size of a skull um, with a flat front face, like a machined kind of flat front face. And then the whole backside is like broken, craggy rock. And that front face contains within it a symbol very similar to what you drew on the paper okay. this morning. Okay. There's no winning, man. You gotta go. It's the stone that's talking to you, Thomas. We have to get rid of the stone. The voice? The power? Don't take from me the only connection I have to something greater. You're just part of the shit, part of the problem. I'm trying to help, help you out here, Thomas. I'm on your side, man. Give me a sense trouble quick test with a pass of seven. Which, due to your numbing rinse, you have a minus one. I know. And how many sense trouble dice do you have? Two. So it is technically possible. Seven? Seven. Two. So again, I need a six. I'm gonna get clobbered on the back of the head here, aren't I? Ah, five! I got six. Six total, and you need an advance of seven. Just then you hear a shift of the gravel behind you, and before you can turn around and react, you are knocked over the head, but it doesn't knock you unconscious. Mm. You feel the crack and hear the crash and scattering of pieces of dishware. And as you reel from the hit and see this dirty woman standing in front of you, dressed in what were once elegant clothes, but are now a little threadbare and, and darkened from dirt. You also see strewn across the floor the sharp remnants of what was probably a dinner plate. And you are now standing sort of in between two people, and one of them just crashed a dish over the back of your head, but you are still conscious. Okay. I want to take a shot at the stone that's on top of the boxes. With your gun. With my gun. Sure. Give me a quick test. I feel like this should be a cool challenge. Give me a cool challenge test with an advance of six and you have an extra die. I do. I do. And this should be due to numb ignorance. Yeah. Which seems like it should be easy, but my rolls today, man, my rolls today have been fucked. <laughs> just, just gonna say that. And it was like last time I figured out my dice. I, you know, I knew which dice to use for which roll. Fucking You're waxing flew on, through. Yeah. Waxing off. Exactly. Not to me, buddy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was the COVID. That was officially the COVID. Yeah, my dice, dice have the COVID now. Oh, my God, a one. And a six. Making seven. Seven. With the advance of six, you turn your gun on the stone sitting on the back of two boxes at the back of the room. Which I did actually consider might actually be dynamite, yes. 
<laughs> I hope they're not. You rolled well enough, you don't have to find out. <laughs> this case ends in a hospital. <laughs> oh, hospital would be a, a good result if I was shooting in dynamite. Truth. <laughs> and you fire at the stone, hitting it square center, shattering it into multiple pieces that splinter and ricochet off the back wall of the cave. And it's like watching Thomas receive a gut punch, the way he sort of keels forward, like he's had the wind knocked out of him, and the woman drops to her knees as well. The messenger! Thomas yells as he lunges towards you, and you have a fighting challenge with a six plus. Well, this is something else that can't pass then because I've got a minus one to my one die roll of fighting. I got zero. You got a one minus one? <laughs> I got zero. Shit. You still have one push left, right? Okay, I'm not going to use it right now. Yeah. Okay, just, just letting you know. Thomas gets the jump on you, yep. and you are shoved down to the ground. Your skull takes a fleshy bounce off of the stone floor, and for a moment you can see the woman on the other side of you as well, as this man bears his entire weight into you against the floor and puts his hands around your throat, squeezing so tight that you're fairly certain that this is where your case and story end. This is the death of Jack Shepard. And then an ear-piercingly loud gunshot ricochets throughout this cave. And the hands clench tight around your throat, relax, and you stare up at the shocked, frozen expression of Thomas Thengen as he falls off of you, slumping Ragdoll to the ground next to you staring dead-eyed into your face. Shit. And you tip your head further back, looking past the, the shocked and dazed woman. In between you and the smoking gun being held by Mickey Cohen. Hey, Jack, you okay down there? <laughs> oh, Mickey, I've never been happier to see your fucking face. Hey, do it. Step away. Just step away. And Mickey tries to get the attention of this totally dazed waif in front of him. He fires a second shot at the ground near her feet, and the chipped rock from that shot literally like throws gravel at your face, but it gets the woman's attention. Right, okay. And she peels back and steals herself flat against the out the inside of the wall of the cave, like a cornered, scared yeah. animal more than a human. I want to I wanna get up and call her name, Ella, and see if she responds. All of her movements are quick, like a, like a defensive scared animal, and okay. she does quickly flick her head in your direction and give you a stare. Okay, well, I don't know if I'm still holding my gun and my flashlight. Your gun and flashlight are on the ground next to you. Okay. They kind of were like dropped right where yeah. you're at. It all happened in the last few so seconds. So I want to I want to put up my hands as like a, you know, I'm not going to hurt you. And I want to approach Ella. And I'm, I'm hoping I can like pat her down and see if she's got one of those stones on her. As you approach Ella, she hisses. Okay. Uh, more feral than human. You are reminded in that moment of the ghouls that you chased out of this cave more than you are a human. What happens if I try to pat her down? She's both skittish and scared, 
and seemingly ready to lash out at any moment, but she doesn't. You give a quick sweep of her body and do not discover any stones on her. Okay. There's no missing the bandages on her left arm that are soiled and old with blood seeping through them. Looks like these bandages were made a week ago and haven't been changed since. Yeah. I'll ask Mickey to keep an eye on Ella and and just take a walk further into the cave to have a look around, look at the, the boxes, look at uh, the things that are further in the back. No problem, Mickey, quick. You search the back of the cave, you come across a goat. There's these two large boulders in the center of the cave kind of be using as tables and shelves, and there's a rope wrapped around one of them uh, tied to itself and the other end tied to a goat uh, that's been wandering around this cave. There's not a lot of goat shit in the cave, so it was being kept somewhere else until very recently. You find the wide but very short gap at the bottom of this cave that would allow these beings to travel through. The this, the space that you were on the other side of yesterday that you could not pass through, and you approach these two crates that had the stone on top of it, the stone that's now shattered into pieces, and you feel an anger radiating from these pieces of stone. As much as they're shattered, their power is lessened but not depleted, and you can feel, you swear you feel an anger if you didn't know better towards you just by being around whatever the hell this is. And in that moment, you look back over your shoulder at the limp corpse of Thomas Thengen and back to the gut-turning presence of something in within this stone. And, and just, it's hard to feel like today's a victory. Yeah, for sure. You pry open the first of the two crates and find dynamite neatly wrapped and tended and cared to in a way that seems safe and would definitely assume that this is the remainder of the TNT cache. You have found the missing dynamite. It is here in this cave, which is a small victory. Yeah. But the dark presence seemingly motivating people to act in ways that are inhuman, it's diluted, but it's not gone. There's nothing else really of note. It's kind of like these people have been camping here a little while. Yeah. There's the sense of a place to cook and eat and clean the dishes. All right. I'm going to go back to Mickey Cohen. Hey, what would you find? Found the missing dynamite, or at least a good portion of the missing dynamite. Jack, that's what we wanted to hear. And I wondered... How about this broad? She's been pretty quiet. Yeah, I don't know what's up with her. I'm going to see if I can take her to a hospital and get her looked at. Yeah, she don't look too good. How about that guy over there? Oh, that guy over there who looks even worse, uh, kind of wondered whether you might be able to bring in a uh, demolitions crew to, like, knock this place down, and maybe that guy just doesn't get seen again. Yeah, I got that handled, Jack. Tell you what, by tomorrow, there's just a place campus go to hang out. Thanks, man. The organization will deal with the organization's crew. What the hell went on here, Jack? What the fuck have I walked into? Why is there a goat? <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I, I wanna, I'll untie the goat and, and let the goat free. I, I forgot to do that. That, that was important to me. 
Uh, but yeah, I don't. The uh, goat, the goat is freed. Yeah. Looks out into the open wastes of the desert and back at you, and just starts kind of rummaging with his nose around uh, the empty cans <laughs> from past foodstuffs, unsure of where to go or what to do. Fuck. Do I have a pet goat now? <laughs> I don't want to burden you with a pet goat. <laughs> no, it's fine. I will I will attempt to guide the goat and Ella to my car. Goat doesn't seem to want to wander off, so I'm going to take responsibility for the goat. <laughs> That's the option you're going to take? There's a couple cars out here. There's pickup trucks out here. Uh, the cops could get... Well, I guess the cops aren't going to get called. No, the cops are not going to get called. What about these pickup trucks, then? What are you going to do with these? That's not my problem. You leave them out here? Yeah. <laughs> You're taking the goat home in the back of your car to do what with? I got a pet goat now. <laughs> I got to get something. I got to get a souvenir out of each story, right? I got a pet goat now. <laughs> okay. The goat isn't interested in wandering off. Uh, he seems pretty content in the corner looking through the cans. And you're telling me you take this goat... Guide it into the back seat of your car? Yes, I do. All right. Okay. You have a goat in the back of your car. I do. Jack Shepard. Yep. I think there's easier ways to get some goat meat there, Jack. <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> I just want I want something good to happen to somebody out of this case. And if it's the goat, it's the fucking goat. Fair enough, I ain't about to come between a man and his love. <laughs> hey, Jack. <laughs> Uh, can I get Ella into the car? You are able to gingerly reassure Ella and guide her into the passenger seat of your car. She's reassured by the goat's presence. <laughs> the goat pokes his head into the front seat over her shoulder and she absentmindedly lifts her hand and pats the side of the goat's head. What now, Jack Shepard? I want to take Ella to a hospital, not the one she was working at. You take Ella to a smaller hospital out in San Bernardino. How do you answer the hospital's questions, Jack? I will say that this is a woman that I found wandering the streets, clearly distressed, clearly not in a position to, uh, you know, communicate or, or speak. She seems unwell. Good enough. Yeah. Where do you head to next, Jack? I got to go home with my new goat <laughs> and call Margaret Deacon. arrive back at your place. What are we doing with this goat, Jack? Are you bringing it up into your apartment? I am bringing apartment? my goat. I'm bringing the goat. I'm not quite ready to refer to it as my goat, but <laughs> I am bringing the goat into my apartment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you take the goat up into your apartment. You go in your fridge and find a half moldy head of iceberg <laughs> lettuce <laughs> that you give the goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tying it to the door of radiator your radiator or something. Yeah, you yeah. tie it to the radiator in the kitchen. Um, being a lover of newsprint, you happen to have a lot of it. I do, so yeah. So you completely line the floor of your kitchen <laughs> like a birdcage. Yeah. This goat chews away on this uh, rotting head of lettuce that you're able to find in your fridge. Uh, and you pour yourself a whiskey as oh, well. Yeah. 
I'm a four and a triple at this point. Are you gonna go see Yen's at Spirits tonight, or is that you didn't check the paper this morning? You didn't go to Yen's in the evening. It's just an unusual day. It for is. Jack well, Shepherd. you know, I had a goat. You so came home with a goat. That's a little different. It, it um, does. You don't have to go. Yeah, and no, I might not, but I, I do definitely want to call Margaret. Of course. Yeah. The phone picks up on the first ring. Jack. Margaret. I have updates. I'm on the edge of my seat. Please, Jack. Most of your uh, dynamite has been recovered. It is in the hands of Mickey Cohen. He is going to get it back to the job site. Some, unfortunately, did end up in police custody. Uh, That's fine. I doubt they can trace the stampings back to us. We should be okay. Okay. Ella? Yes. Is alive. Oh, thank goodness. She is not in good shape. She seems very mentally unwell. She's feral. Um, she's, She's behaving more like an animal than a human being. I brought her to, uh, and I'll tell her the name of the hospital. Um, San Bernardino General. I brought her to San Bernardino General. Um, and I, I guess I'll trust you perhaps to to go and check her out in the morning. Um, put your name down as her next of kin or something. It's the best I could do with her. Uh, thanks, Jack. Of course, I'll phone Marion right away and let her know and, and allow her mother to handle that. Uh, as far as Thomas goes, he's not likely to be seen again. Oh my goodness. So what happened with Thomas? Why did he steal our dynamite and stop coming to work? The same thing that affected your sister got its claws or tentacles into Thomas. Okay. You know, Helen's still not her old self. You help Jack, but something still plagues her. Do you think Helen will ever be her old self again? Do you think this thing that motivated Thomas, that we can be rid of it? That we can put it in our past? I don't know. But it does seem to be the same thing that got its claws into Ella. And maybe with enough time... Ella and Helen can help each other find their way out of it. That's a good idea. When I hear that Ella has improved, I will suggest that her and Helen meet. And please keep me up to date on on how they're both doing. I will. What happened here, Jack? I don't know for sure. Um, I think I think some people got too close to seeing things they were not meant to see. I know that's not a satisfactory answer, but... No, like, what What are things? Things darker and more malevolent than we can maybe comprehend. Something greater than us, something darker than us, something... Like, like religion? Like God? Yeah, like that, but worse. You know, I'm a, a facts and figures gal, and... <laughs> I'm with you there. What you're telling me doesn't doesn't add up to anything. I understand. I want to see my old sister. I feel like I'm in the center of calamity, and I want to know that I've done all I can to help my friends. That makes sense. 
based on what I know, which isn't a lot, I do think you've done as much as you can. I don't know if that helps. I appreciate you saying it, but it's not consoling. I believe that. There's something greater here, Jack. Something about that property at Roy's. Yeah, I do think it might be best if you just uh, caved that all in and uh, moved on with constructing something somewhere else. That, that hole is best left buried. Sound advice. I want to be able to tell my sister that things are going to get better. Thank you for what you've done here, Jack. I'm sorry I don't have better news. At least I've avoided a very awkward shareholders meeting. (laughs) There is that. You gotta gotta focus on the positive. Good night. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Checks in the mail. Thank you. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna go to spirits. I'm gonna bring my goat. I'm gonna introduce my goat to the cat. (laughs) Okay! (laughs) You grab the goat by the rope. And listen to its little goat collar bell ring as it descends the stairs out the front door and over to your to the next door store yep. where you intend to walk to the front door yeah, absolutely. with a goat. Yep. The front doorbell <laughs> chimes. Hey man, how's it going, Jack? Whoa, hey, whoa. Yeah. Uh, you got an interesting pet there, man. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting day. That's all I can say. Uh, I don't know if this is a goat-friendly establishment, man. Oh, man, come on. Ah, you're right. Okay, what's your goat's name, man? <laughs> oh, shit. He doesn't have one. Uh, all right. Hey, it doesn't have one. Welcome to my liquor store. <laughs> I, I have just, a cat. I think we'll just call him Goat Ned. for now. Uh, Sorry, what was his name? His name's Goat. Hey, Goat. That's and, an unoriginal name, and man. Yeah, let's let's introduce Goat to Ned. Hey, well, we could try. <laughs> I don't even know where Ned is. All right. And in the moment he says that, the cat jumps up on the counter and sits purring. Yeah. It's two front paws in between, like, kind of uh, that noble stature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And looks up at its owner like, the fuck, man? Right here. <laughs> oh, hey, Ned. Ned, this is Goat. Goat, this is Ned. Ned takes two steps to the edge of the counter, leaning its head out over the counter down towards the goat. The goat leans its head up. Uh, the cat takes a bit of a sniff. The goat <laughs> baas quite loudly, and the cat recoils and hops off the counter and walks away in the other direction. Okay. Well, I mean, no one lost an eye, man. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is a good sign, yeah. Jens. Your goat smells, man. <laughs> they all do. Yeah. You, you, you get some alcohol? You want any alcohol, That's man? That's what I'm here for. Point all me right. to some good stuff. I, I, I need some good stuff today. Oh. Center aisle, bottom shelf near the end. All right. Grab the blue bottle. I will grab the blue bottle. And you walk down to the end, 
and have a small section of gins and reach down and grab the blue bottle and return to the cash register. (laughs) Hey, man, if this doesn't solve what ails you, it'll strip the wood off you. (laughs) Off of what ails you. (laughs) It'll strip the wood off what ails you. That's right. I closed the case tonight, so uh, uh, earned a paycheck. I can justify a slightly better uh, intoxicant. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. I don't think congratulations are in order. A case? What what do you sell, man? Like a case of what? (laughs) I do think we covered this before, but uh, I am a private investigator. Oh, all right, man. You solved the case. Private investigator Jack Shepard solved the case. All right. I did, yeah. Well... Congratulations are in order then. I, yeah. I'm not sure congratulations are in order. Things didn't really end as well as I'd hoped they would, but um, the check is in the mail, so I guess I can drink a little bit better tonight. You know, in a previous life, I was a part of a couple of battles there, really? Jack, and I've lost good men. And that can be tough, you know? But ultimately, there are things I hunt. Hunted, I think. And... Nothing great is accomplished without sacrifice. And honestly, especially on your planet, (laughs) flesh and blood is not a finite resource. So salute to you, Hunter, regardless of the cost. Okay, Jens. uh, I've had a long day, so I'm going to let your comment about my planet slide because I just don't want to go down that avenue right now. Uh, I mean, like our plan, like like this plan. Yeah, like, yeah. I like, mean, it's like fun to backpedal. The only planet, right? Like the planet. Yeah, just yeah, the planet. Actually, yeah, come on, just the planet. Yeah, the planet. Fine. I'm taking my gin home. Have a good night. Yeah, man. Enjoy that. Tell you what, it's on me. All right. Well, happy case, Saul Jack Shepard. Thank you, man from this planet. Hey. <laughs> Just yens to my friends, dude. Yens to my friends. <laughs> I love how that rhymes. <laughs> That's how you can remember it. Exactly. All right. Uh, I take my goat and my shit home. <laughs> so I'm a travel in the LBC. <laughs> uh, I'm going to chain the or tie the goat back up to the radiator. I'm going to pour him a little bowl of gin in case he wants some with me. <laughs> And I'm going to have me some fucking drinks. The goat immediately drops the uh, moldy head of lettuce and begins lapping up the gin. And by the time the evening is over, you are looking blearily eyed (laughs) into the blurry eyes (laughs) of a similarly drunk. Oh, man. If I got a goat who likes fucking liquor, he's my new best friend. He's my pet for life. And what do you say to your goat named Goat as goat. as the energy leaves your body and goat. sleep starts to take you? I don't know what the fuck happened today. <laughs> I'm sure you're as confused as I am, but that means at least we're both on the same page, my friend. Good night. And the goat gives you a look that you can only take as a green. <laughs>
You are startled out of your sleep, sitting up violently, alert. You look out your bedroom doorway and see the goat you named Goat soundly sleeping on the newspaper at the entranceway to your kitchen. You hear the goat's slow breathing and the light ticking of the wall clock, but nothing else seems out of place. No other movements or sounds, but something's wrong. And that's when you look out the window. Instead of nighttime Los Angeles, lit in dim street lamps, you stare out into complete pitch black darkness. That's wrong, not totally pitch black. As you look further, you see small pins of light of various brightnesses. It reminds you of the night skies at your family's old cabin, unpolluted by the lights of LA. You notice that your main living space, with its large windows out into the street, is brighter than it usually is at night, lit by the peculiarity outside the window. This prompts you to get up and walk into the main room. You step into the main room in your loft, with the door to your office at one end and the large panes of glass at the other that overlook the street outside. But what you see can only be described as space. The inky blackness of space pierced by the tiny white lights of stars. And as you stare out the windows, awestruck by this oddity and coming to grips with the idea that you're probably in a dream the room goes completely dark for a half second as it seems like shutters that are outside your house close from the top and the bottom, cutting off the image outside and then open again. It all happens fairly quickly and you can once again see this black expanse full of little twinkling lights and you feel a flash of pain in your left forearm, right where Ella Hurst cut that symbol into her arm. And you notice a quick flash of blue light through the frosted glass of your office door. You are drawn to it, now moving towards your office door. Without choice, without options, and now you are certain this is a dream. As you approach the office door, a blue light throbs brighter and dimmer shining through the cracks at the edge of the door and the frosted glass. As you open the door, the source of the light can be seen. It's the notepad for Marjorie's books and more, where you scrawled that symbol this morning. And in the grooves and indentations left by you writing that symbol on that pad, blue light causes the markings to glow. And so this glowing image that you described as a monster pulses as large shutters outside seemingly blink, closed, and open again, you are momentarily thrust into that pure darkness, lit only by the odd blue shade of the menacing image of a monster staring back at you.
Well, boom, there you go. There's the big old finale of our first original arc. Happy dance, happy dance. Man, that's so much work. Thanks, guys, for your patience. I uh, took some time off over the Christmas holiday and then uh, logged like 120 hours into Cyberpunk. So, you know, that uh, takes a toll on the old productivity. And uh, I really wanted to do this right. And I hate in, like, serialized TV when you get that 40 minute episode and then come back next week for the rest of the finale, right? When they, they split the finale into two. And so I wanted this to be a single listen for those who want to invest the time and do it that way. And if not, ain't no sweat, man. Podcast apps. They remember where you at. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash coal mines clubhouse. If you have any interest in supporting what we're doing over here, uh, like Patreon subscribers, Paula Kreiderman, John Erridge, and Marco Casco, you three absolutely friggin' rock guys. And to absolutely anybody taking the time to get this far into this thing, thank you. Thank you so much. If you think anyone else would enjoy this, please let them know. I want to grow this thing. Uh, I am currently making $13 a month off the Patreon due to those awesome people, but uh, I'm currently paying $60 a month in uh, Foley and Soundtrack website subscriptions. So, you know, maybe one day that'll break even, and that would be absolutely frigging amazing. I do love doing this, and my favorite part's coming up where I'm about to listen back to it all and just iron out the little kinks. I've just finished adding all the sounds and stuff into it after I have no idea. I have literally lost track of the amount of hours I've put into this in the last week and a bit. Once again, thanks for your patience. Links to the Patreon page, the website, all that jazz in the episode description. And without any further ado, here's the outtakes. And thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing friggin' day. Don't take it all too seriously, all right? Peace. I don't know. Where is UCLA? <laughs> hey, Google. Hey, Google. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's been waiting to tell me that for days. It's been sitting over here. Did anyone ask me anything? Ask? I don't know anything. <laughs> hey, Google. No, I don't know anything. <laughs> I wish I could, Master. I wish I'm I so could. Sorry. Oh, no, Wiffy. Where, yeah, where is UCLA? Turned out where is where is UCLA? University of California, Los Angeles is at Los Angeles, California, 90095, United States. But 90095. Cool, it's not far then. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing. I never really do, I guess. Oh, I have one piece of paper here. Looks like you have many pieces of paper there. <laughs> 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 Alfred, it's uh, Jack Shepard. Jack, I hear you, bud. Hey there, bud. Hey there, bud. Hey, fucking right, sir, bud. <laughs> just out here, just reading about the problems we're having, huh? Oh, man. It's the more I think about it, the better a story I can create but We have to go back and fix other episodes. <laughs> that ain't happening. Right. They're like Stephen King at the end of the Dark Tower, like, oh man, if I'd known this <laughs> really? at the beginning. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. That happened? Well, he actually went back and and, uh, and rewrote. rewrote a lot of the very first book in the Dark Tower series to make it mesh better with the way it turned out in the end. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I get yeah. it. I totally get it. I'm going to got you over a barrel here, don't I? You're talking to someone and you just were unaware of what's happening near you. <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, I know, right? I don't know. It's up to you. At I this know point. it is. Like, it's it's exactly. It's entirely up to me. And how do I deal with this situation? I would like this to resolve, but guess what? The moment you fucking started driving here, it wasn't going to resolve well. Um, so I don't know what to do. And and I I knew how to get these characters involved with each other and get something spinning, but had no plan for the outcome, man. I had no I have no plan for this scene. This scene was going to be what you made it be by your actions up into it. And it's a bit of a shit sandwich, and I don't know what to do with it. And now I've got you over a barrel. This is where it's tough, man. If it was Dungeons and Dragons, we just fucking do some combat and be done, right? Thomas gets the jump on you. Yep. And you are shoved down to the ground. Uh, your head whacks off the stone ground. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) your head furiously masturbates off of the stone ground. (laughs) The sacrificial goat from the nightmares just became your pet. (laughs) I mean, you checked the important boxes. I did those things. If there were subquest headings, you didn't. Like in, in that game, you know, the optionals, you didn't do any of the optionals. Well, that wasn't my job. I'm not getting paid for the optionals, am I? <laughs> uh, not so, gonna lie, getting the goat is probably my favorite part of the story. 